Welcome to the Business Journals Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Noto. Today's guest is NFL great Tiki Barber. After spending 10 seasons with the New York Giants and rushing close to 10,500 yards, Tiki has had quite an interesting career. TV and radio broadcasting, sports marketing, software solutions, real estate. He even played the villain in a Broadway musical. His latest play is in the cannabis industry. His teammates are financiers, and his goal, helping businesses navigate the ins and outs of legal marijuana. We discuss current CBD laws, the legal debacle in New York and New Jersey, NFL suspensions, erasing pot-related criminal records, why cannabis entrepreneurs need better access to banking, and which politicians are helping the cause. He also mentioned which movie he'd like to turn into a Broadway musical. The answer might not surprise you, considering the topic of conversation. Stay tuned. All right, so we're here with Tiki Barber. How are you feeling today? I am fantastic, Anthony. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And I was, I'm excited to talk to you because, uh, well, for one, I mean, I'm always fascinated by uh, what the um, NFL stars are doing post-NFL. About 10 years ago, I think, uh, when I was um, first started working at The Deal, it was an M&A publication. I uh, got the chance to interview uh, Drew Bledsoe. Oh, yeah. And I think after um, he retired, he, he got into energy investing. Mm-hmm. He was at some uh, green energy company. And then uh, Steve Young came into the office. He did private equity yep. with HGGC. He's still doing that. Uh, Wayne Corbett. I uh, didn't interview him, but uh, he it was a, a Barclays Capital, Morgan Stanley. That's right. Stiefel Financial. Uh, but yours is very unique. <laughs> I have a little script prepared. So you have Thusio. Yes, Am I saying that correct? That is correct. Correct. Thusio, which is now divided into two companies, Thusio and Julius, which is an influencer marketing campaign. Okay. Uh, platform. Then there's uh, Cannabis Consulting, which yep. we're going to talk about in a yep. moment. Grove Group Consulting. And your Broadway run. Yeah, Kinky Boots. Kinky Boots. Not to mention CBS Sports Radio, which I do on a daily basis. Yes, and yes. raising six kids. Yes. So I, I, got, I got a busy lifestyle. But yeah, you, you know are what? a busy man, yeah. You know what? I th- you know what's interesting. I think f- like sports, the doing it my whole life and trying to balance uh, uh, being an athlete and being uh, a student and uh, all the other things that come came from when I was young helped me prepare to multitask. Yeah, and um, I've somehow been able to keep my head above water despite being pulled in a lot of different directions. Well, there's a there's an aspect of showmanship to being on the field, of course, at sports entertainment, and uh, and you, I, I think that you have a, a singing voice, so making that transition <laughs> to Broadway is, is makes sense to me. Yeah, Kiki Boots was one of the most interesting, and I'm probably going to say fulfilling professional experiences I've ever done. Yeah. So being on a football field, you're you're protected, and there's a there's a mask on your face, and there's you know. 22 bodies at a time moving all over. It's chaos. And to master that takes time and and it's like choreographing a dance. But once you get it, it it becomes really fun, but you don't realize that you're on a stage, Mm -hmm. right? You're You're just doing your job. Right, yeah. Transitioning and doing a Broadway show an actual Broadway show because I did some off off Broadway things during my my off seasons. Women of Manhattan, one of my acting coaches produced, and I played a character named Duke, which was which was fun. It was a small theater. It was cool, yeah. but it was it gave me a little bit of that bug and to be able to 
come back to it about 20 years later and actually right, right, debut right. on Broadway was, was awesome. And the reason I, I, I say it was so fulfilling is because I, I can vividly still remember this. It ended like a month and a half ago for me. But walking into the theater, seeing like the line <laughs> lined up outside the Al, Al Hirschfield Theater on 45th Street and just thinking, you're, you're going to love this, right? Yeah. I, I know in two hours you're going to be standing on your feet and cheering and singing the songs that we're singing. Yeah. Every night you, you're doing that, walking into the theater, into the stage door. And you get, on, you get out there and the reaction's immediate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like it's you, you do something funny or you, you do something profound or it makes you, you elicit this emotion out of people. Uh, Callum Francis, who was my Lola in the show, uh, he was in it for about eight weeks or so. Mm-hmm. He, he described it this way. He said, it's like a tidal wave, right? We, we push out all of this love um, about acceptance and being who you are. And, and it eventually all comes back. Yeah, with the audience feedback, the yeah, audience it, it, energy, it eventually. Yeah. So the tidal wave goes out, and then it eventually comes right back on stage, and it just creates this like very emotional dynamic. Yeah. Um, I was blessed because that that show, uh, Kinky Boots, which um, has a has a meaningful message, um, was my first experience on Broadway, and I'm I'm biased, but I love yeah. <laughs> I love it's my favorite thing that I've, I think I've done professionally. Well, now you and I actually have that in common because I, I do theater as well. Oh, nice! So I know exactly yeah. what you talk about that energy that you get from the audience. It's right. it's, it's a rush. Um, compared to being on the field, what's it like? Are the nerves higher when you're on stage? Because uh, definitely higher. Yeah. Because I know I can mess up. I could mess up on a, on a football. Like I could I could literally go the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. Ninety five percent of the fans in the in the state and the stadium have no idea, right? <laughs> they right. don't they don't know. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, my teammates would know. My coaches would know. I get yeah, yeah. reamed out in the, in the film study because the eye and the sky don't lie. But on stage, man, when you if you mess up. Everybody mm-hmm. knows. Yes. Uh, last night, my wife and some friends of ours went to go see Come From Away. Oh, I love that show. It was, it, it, I think if I had seen it before I had done Kinky Boots, yeah. I might not have appreciated the acting and the blocking and the energy that it takes to be on stage for an hour and 40 minutes without an intermission. Yeah. And so as I'm watching this, and the story is deep and it's meaningful about landing in Newfoundland and uh, 38 planes there. and these it's based on a true story. Yeah, exactly. Uh, their, their lives intertwined around 9-11 and how the community accepted them and you know all these stories are taking place. And as I'm watching it, I'm, I'm obviously absorbing the story, but I'm like, man... They have to move like upstage, downstage, yeah. around you know, around each other. Move this chair, and they're playing different characters. Exactly, switch accents. You know, yes. go from British to Egyptian to that's true theater it, it acting. Was unbelievable, yeah. and I really appreciated it because I had been in a Broadway production. Yeah, so absolutely. Now that I when I go see shows, I, I look at it differently. Yeah. So it, like it opened my mind yeah. um, to what was behind the scenes. I, the Kinky Boots part, you, you played the antagonist. I did. So I, I know from playing villains, it's always more fun. Yeah, it is more fun yeah. and, and and meaningful because, in a sense, I was the, I'm the thesis of the show. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Here I am, this gruff. I grew a beard for you know six and a half weeks, and I yeah, did this. Yeah. I'm this gruff, like you know, cynical, seen everything, factory worker who wants nothing to do uh, with with kinky boots. Right, right, right. Uh, being in our in our factory, and I get into the the, the adversarial tension between Don, my character, and Lola is is awesome. And to when the second act starts and I'm trying to antagonize 
him slash her, and we start fighting and yelling, and and it just gets real intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I change or come out at the end in the show in Milan, you get the best response, right? Because right? people get it. I have, I have some friends who um, uh, who are homosexual, and they came to see me. And one of them who does makeup for me when I when I do shows uh, for uh, Sports Illustrated on, online, he said I sat there the whole time crying, right? Because this wow. he said guys like you, meaning my character Don, were what I had to deal with growing up in in, in the South uh, for my whole life. Oh, wow, interesting. And so to see the evolution of my character, but also because he knew me so well, it just ma- it just like welled up this emotion inside of him. Um, and, and that's that's the impact that, that live theater has. Yes. Right? It's different than watching a movie. It's different yes. than, you know, binge, binging. It's it's real. Right? Oh, it absolutely. feels real, even though it's you're, you're, you're portraying the characters on stage. Well, we got to get you back on stage soon. One Especially, of these days. Yeah. You're, you're a Broadway barber. Yeah, you're right. Broadway Joe. I ran into a... Uh, <laughs> I ran into a guy at an event we did for Grove Group Management, an information uh, panel, um, education panel that we did. And um, he's t- thinking about trying to bring Reefer Madness oh, interesting. To, to Broadway or off-Broadway, yeah. which is obviously right up the alley of what Grove Group is, is trying to change oh, perceptually. Do you think that Grove Group would be like a, a, like a producer or a financier maybe, behind Maybe, maybe, if, if it worked out. Um, you know, so much of the cannabis space is, is misinformation. It's, yes. A lot of people don't know the difference between CBD and, and THC, both chemicals and uh, in the cannabis plant, and they get confused. And uh, Reefer Madness is, is a prime example of why uh, a lot of our country has a misperception about this plant that's been used medicinally for eons. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, if there's an opportunity to continue to change the mindset um, uh, around this country, and it works specifically in New York with a, with a Broadway production, I would be on board with that 100%. Because if you look at the playbill, a lot of the producers of these shows are financially savvy. Like, they're, they're oh, investment yeah. advisors. Of course. And you have that background plus the onstage background. Yeah. It seems like it would be a, yeah, a logical fit. There's a natural tie there. You know, it's interesting because, like, like uh, Daryl Roth, who was a producer of Kinky Boots, her husband Steve Roth is Renato, and her uh, her son um, Jordan is one of the big uh, philanthropic uh, uh, arms in, in, in theater. And it all works together, mm-hmm. right? It's finding space, and then you find the perfect theater, like. Al Hirschfeld was the perfect theater for Kinky Boots. It was small, it was intimate, like you could feel the emotion bounding off the walls. Um, but if it was cavernous, it might not have felt the same. And yeah. so I think that, that uh, the, the, the cross to genres help make um, productions um, meaningful uh, yeah. and purposeful. And I think I've, I've put myself in a position just because of all the experiences that I've had professionally, from playing football to uh, starting a couple of companies and being yeah. on Broadway, it, it's it's unique. Well, now, I, I, to bring it to Grove Group, I mean, you, politics is also a thing with yeah. you because, you know, I did a little social media stalking. <laughs> I saw you posing with Cory Booker, yeah. Senator Cory Booker. Yeah, he's been a friend for a long time. He's been a friend for a long time. You also met um, Kevin Shin mm-hmm. um, at a political event. I yeah. saw that in an interview. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, uh, we met at a... How did that come about? So, uh, Cory, Cory Booker, asked me to do an event for Senator Menendez and his re-election campaign. And I had never met Senator Menendez. Obviously, being a New Jersey resident, I know who is being in a Northeast resident for as long as I have, 22 years now. That's been a long time since I left Virginia. 
um, I knew who he was. And so I went to this event, and Governor Murphy was there, and I have familiarity with him as well. Uh, his wife is a UVA grad, like I am. Okay. So Wahoo's in the, in the building. Um, but my wife and I held a political fundraising event for him when he was running for governor and got to know him, um, really enjoyed uh, him and his vision uh, for New Jersey. And particularly, um, you start to hear uh, bits and pieces of legalizing um, cannabis in New Jersey. And there's already medicinal uh, use in, in, in New Jersey. There's six licenses and six have just been issued and there'll be another six, I'm sure, that'll come in the next few months. And it aligns with some of the things that were aligning with me. And so at this event with Senator Menendez, Kevin came up to me and was like, I think I have the perfect project uh, that you're going to love. It's, it's around cannabis. Um, but it's also a, a social progress initiative uh, because so many minority communities have been adversely affected by these racist, you know, uh, and the war against drugs uh, laws and principles and policies that have that have infiltrated our, our, our minority communities. And so it caught my attention. Yeah. We sat down and we started to delve into this this exploding now asset class with 33 or so states having medicinal use and about 9 or 10 uh, with recreational use and we're all trying to figure it out um, the beauty of Grove Group is that we're, it's not the it's not the stoner mentality. It is the the business executive um, uh, bend and mentality towards attacking an asset class. So Kevin is a financial advisor. He's been one and an entrepreneur for 16, 17 years. Jimmy Frischling, who's our president, he's also been in that space uh, as well. Dean Bezmoody, who's on the technical side and an IT side, uh, can help uh, look at some of these ancillary businesses that are gonna that are gonna come. Uh, you know, once this, once uh, uh, marijuana becomes more mainstream, and we hope by 2020, maybe even sooner, federally legalized. Uh, and so, uh, we want to be in position to attack it as a, from a VC and, and private equity um, uh, perspective, but also from a, uh, a creating a brand and creating a lifestyle. Um, you know, type opportunity uh, in New Jersey where we're based. So now, how long did it take for you guys to pull together this team of, with Chris and Dean? Yeah, and Bob? It, 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 Kevin started working on this probably two years ago. Okay, uh, I've been involved for about a year and a half. That's still kind of quick for uh, a firm it to is. come together. It is, and and it, and it was because of the uh, the the. The message and the um, the goal. Uh, obviously, it's a huge business opportunity, yeah. right? If you if you if you strike it right, uh, there's 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 a lucrative financial um, benefit, um, but there's a chance to do good while doing well. And I think that's what we all started to think about. Um, uh, Bob DeSena, who's on the on, who has a marketing expertise and and background, sees how. M- we can help change messaging around cannabis, not just for minority uh, communities like we were talking about, but also for you know, the, the former athlete or uh, the cancer patient or uh, those who have anxiety or depression. Um, they they kind of sit in the closet and they're sitting on the side of their room, you know, taking a toke of, yeah. of, of, of a joint and they, and they think it's, you know, they think they're breaking the law when in actuality they're kind of self-medicating. Right. I think we're starting to see people become very aware of the, of the negative effects of opioids um, and also over um, uh, use of alcohol. I'll give, you, I'll give you the perfect example from my football career. Um, you play a game on Sunday. You get there, I don't know, one, the game starts at 1. 
ends at 3.30, 4 o'clock. You are so jacked up. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. Just from physically, you know, pounding into people and the excitement and the the, the outburst of, 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 of emotion and energy that's on a football f- field. When the game is over, you can't come. It's hard to come down, yeah. right? The and rush. It, there's, feel, there's a yeah. rush, and it, it, it takes two or three hours just to, like, start to feel normal. You're still processing things. Who, I mean, God forbid you've had some sort of traumatic brain injury that you don't even know about but your yeah. mind is just racing and you just and and so to calm yourself what do most guys do well, let's go get a beer or let's go get some vodka and so instead of tipping up a bottle which is which is uh, probably worse for an athlete it's, 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 it's absolutely worse because it's compounding the effects of of inflammation and in, in the in the, in the um, you know this trauma that your body has taken on now if there was a way to um, and this is where research is going to come in and, and, and become paramount in this space to perfectly identify the strain of, of, of cannabis that calms me. Because it reacts differently with me and you and even my brother or my mom, whoever. Uh, different strains react different, differently to different folks. If you can like, find the perfect strain that pulls you down. Right and and and, and resets in a sense your homeostasis, eases your pain, gives you a sense of calm without having to destroy your liver at the same time. Why not do that? Uh, and so uh, the leagues are at a very important inflection point right. um, where where players are starting to push back against. Indocent and naproxen and toradol and all these other anti-inflammatories are just prescribed uh, to to deal with pain. Um, they want something natural. Uh, we saw it uh, earlier this year with a, a cowboy. Uh, I can't think of his name now. I can't remember his name. I think it was uh, Demar. Uh, no, I can't. I can't remember his name. Uh, David Irving. Okay. He just walked away from the game, and he said, uh, "You know what? Uh, I'm not going to kill my body." Was uh, he in a lot of pain? He, well, he has pain issues that he would treat with marijuana, and he got, the, the league is not going to go there unless the states exactly fall, until it becomes when it becomes federally federally legal. Yeah, um, the NFL I think will fall right in line because they know that this is what their players are doing. Yeah, and if you don't get caught, like if you get caught in the in the um, in the preseason test, you get put into a program. And then every time you get caught, you get right. you get you know suspended for four games, and you're suspended for for eight games, and it's a it's a year, and then you got to reinstate yourself. Josh Gordon is the prime example, uh, unbelievable talent who who just can't stop smoking marijuana, yeah. uh, and it ruins careers in a sense. Um, but again, I I think they're trying to self medicate. There is a future where it's going to be absolutely. okay, in your opinion. There, it absolutely will be. Are we on track with the, the research, or do you think that there's just not enough there? It's just not nearly enough there. Uh, most of the studies have been done. with This is with CBD and THC, uh, both of these chemicals, on animals, rats, etc. Uh, human studies just aren't vast enough. Uh, and given that it's a Schedule One drug, uh, you're not going to get approved to yeah. do these type of studies. So there's a lot of movement that still needs to happen uh, before, quote, mainstreams. Um, um, but we want to be positioned for when it does. And uh, so we're doing a bunch of due diligence, um, doing some partnerships, especially on the CBD side, because it's, it's, it's already uh, legal and available um, and exploding. That's where the demand is right now. Eventually, yeah. it will be on the THC side as well. But now do you, to go 
back to uh, Governor Murphy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said he was going to, I don't know what the plan was exactly, but yeah. something within the first 100 days, yeah. that stalled a little bit. It did because, you know, the, politics is a, is, a, is, a, is a strange bird. Yeah. Um, but do you two, have his... Two, two folks can be in the same mindset. You and I can have the exact same mindset, and we, ha- we see the goal. This is where we want to be. We want to expand medical. We want to make recreational legal because we know that there is an economic windfall tax-wise uh, for our state, for our communities. Um, but the path to get there is not shared by you and I. Mm-hmm. And so I want to go this way. You want to go that way. Uh, I think that's what's happening. Uh, they know that in the, uh, uh, the New Jersey legislature, they don't have the votes right now. And so it's tabled because they don't want to put it up there. They don't want to um, you know, put the measures up there and fail. Um, they'll put them up when they know they have success. And the, and the situation is similar in New York. Yeah, uh, very Cuomo, similar. Governor Cuomo didn't include it in his budget. That's right. Um, are you watching it closely as it goes to legislation for June? Like you, how you, closely you, are you, you paying you, attention? You have to pay attention because you know when, once it happens um, and recreational becomes legal, then it, it it becomes a little bit like the wild, wild west. Yeah. Um, and look, I want to say that everybody's going to be a winner. Like all these folks are going to get into this space. They're, they're all going to, it's not going to happen. It's just like any business. Uh, some who execute perfectly are going to do extremely well. And then there's others who are going to jump in flippantly without the backgrounds, uh, without the right direction, business plan, et cetera, and they're going to crash and burn. Um, the, the, that will also create an opportunity, though, because those license will, licenses will have been given, yeah. um, and they'll be there for someone to snatch up and, and hopefully do something with. We saw this in California. We saw it right. in Colorado. Um, we certainly saw it to our neighbors in the north when they federally legalized uh, back in October of last year, um, and it created a huge demand, huge windfall, uh, tax-wise. Um, but it also, um, you know, it, it tested supply, uh, and I think the same thing is going to happen in the United States. Well, you, because um, you have, so you certainly have a take on it, mm-hmm. and your team does. Are you reaching out to legislators, or are they t- calling you it's, and being like, "How can we?" It's, it's something we're doing very lightly and 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 deliberately behind the scenes. Um, it's because it's still a, f- a federally yeah. legal substance. And I think, uh, like, if I just have her name, like Senator Kruger, like Liz yeah. Kruger, she's one of the uh, proponents of legalizing. Yeah, uh, and so is, Cor- so is Cory Booker. It's, yeah. it's becoming a, 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 a something to run on for 2020. And I think all of the Democratic candidates, at least, uh, save for Joe Biden, have have espoused this. I think eventually you'll see President Trump also espoused this because of the economic benefit uh, that, it, that it will provide. I, 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 we see it in New Jersey, and I think this is probably indicative of the uh, entire country, is legislatures and governors and, and, and managers of, of, of municipalities, they don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Right? And so they're a little bit scared. And uh, their trepidation is warranted. You have to you have to walk slowly. It's not a just throw this in the wind and the free market, this capitalist society that we live in, is going to figure it out. I, I don't think that applies here. So that's where Grove Group comes in. That's where you, Grove to Group guide comes in. The, the the entrepreneurs who want to get involved exactly. in this space. And so there's and, and we'll also do our own entrepreneurial um, okay. endeavors. And Thizo is our is our is our working name for our lifestyle brand that will have a uh, retail dispensary and uh, and things of that nature. But 
um, there's also so much management assistance that's needed in this space. Because let's not forget, this has been underground. This has been black market for forever, yeah. since the 70s. Um, but it's still there. And we know that there are going to be ancillary businesses, whether it's delivery, um, whether it's you know, production of products, oils, etc., cetera, um, where people are going to have an expertise. They're going to want to jump into the space, but they don't actually know how to run the business or they don't have the capital uh, to get involved into the into this space. And so yeah. Grove Group um, is, is, is positioning, we're positioning ourselves to be that answer for a lot of those small now, entrepreneurs. Is it, is it lending or is it you guys take out a stake? Or are you it's a little just... bit of both, right? Okay. It's, it's, it's not truly defined. Um, we've done some VC deals. Um, we'll, we'll do a couple of private equity type deals as well. And we'll also create our own um, you know, products. That's, that's, I think being diverse is the way to be successful. You've seen it with some of the big, um, you know, the big players already in the space. Um, but the challenge is you can't really build a brand when you're locked into a state. Yeah. Right, because thirty-three states have already approved this medicinally. Well, that's and, what I wanted to ask you. Like, recreationally, New York—it's obviously. I mean, you guys are based in New York. We're based in New Jersey. Oh, you're based in New Jersey. In New sorry. Jersey, um, but obviously, New York is—it's tangent. So, did it just drive you crazy when it just didn't go through in Cuomo's budget? Because you're uh, like, wow, that, that holds us back a, a, a little bit, a yeah. little bit. But that's where patience comes in. Do yeah. you hit the road and do you go to like the other states that have it legalized, like Nevada? Yeah, and we've been out. We've been out to California. We've been out to um, uh, Michigan, um, a, a, a Wisconsin. We've been out to different places. One to inspect and 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 learn. Yeah. Um, the banking issue is obviously a huge one as well because you can't currently bank um, cannabis funds, um, but you also see where where trouble points come in. Kevin has this funny story that he tells when he first started doing this research where he went out, and I believe it was Colorado, and you know, he was meeting with a supplier, a producer, and he, he had all these cats running around his warehouse. <laughs> and the cats were there to yeah. fend off rats yeah. who were eating his cash. Right? You can't, he, can't put, he can't bank his yeah. proceeds, so it's millions of dollars of cash sitting in a warehouse. And what's the biggest threat to paper in a warehouse? Rats. Oh my! So we had to invest in cats. So it's like it's an anecdotal story, but it's the it's the realness. What state was this? This is I think it was in Colorado. Oh my! It's the realness that that this 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 uh, this industry has been living with. Um, Look, Senator Warren. You've heard some others around the country. They're they're looking to change this uh, to to make banking accessible uh, for those in this industry. And again, you have to look at it like an emerging asset class. Yeah. One that a lot of people are interested in, but a lot don't know a lot about. Right, um, and we want to help be a solution. So, uh, what worries you about uh, the industry right now? Because I know I heard you talk about social progress yeah. needing to change yeah. uh, for those who are convicted of possession. Yeah. Um, so what, what's it? You know, yeah, the slowness with which reform will happen. Right, those minorities and in minority communities who have been affected by. Um, small misdemeanor possessions that have turned into extraordinarily long jail sentences. Uh, that need they need to be those records need to be expunged. They need to be given an opportunity to be productive members of society and not driven uh, to the underground. That's one. What else concerns me is is the lack right now of yeah. research and development. You're starting to see uh, some universities 
get involved in this. And I think that's that's a great starting point on the research end? on the research end. Um, you know, the effects of of of, can, of cannabis on the on the endocannabinoid system and do you uh, offer THC. to go and talk to folks? And uh, we haven't yet, but it's 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 something that will be on our radar, especially as 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 the relationships start to grow and build and intertwine, right? The space is so wide open. It's, it's yeah. all about finding the right relationships. I'm about college athletes getting, uh, not them involved because obviously they concentrate on sports, yeah. but maybe those who have a, a science background want to hear from maybe. guys like you, and well, even if a, a, a finance background, because a lot yeah. of them study business that's, as well. That's exactly right. So I, I, I think back to the Rohan Marley Okay. Who was Bob Marley's either son or grandson? I think his grandson. He plays a linebacker at the University of Miami. Yeah. And I and I remember this from when I was in school. Like he got an exemption to 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 smoke marijuana because of religious as part of his religious beliefs. And I remember reading the story. Like that can't be real. Yeah. But it, but it was. And it, wow. and, it, and 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 so I think the reality is that there are. There's, there's, it's always been on the college level, yeah. right? Going back to the, the, the days of the hippies, it's always been there um, in this experimental f- stage uh, for, for young people in this country. And so, in a sense, it's a great testing ground or proving ground. Uh, and so, as, 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 the, as it continues to evolve, it becomes exciting to think about, you know, how universities who are dialed into this space and are, are looking and acquiring funding uh, in this space to do research can really drive the narrative mm-hmm. uh, on CBD and, and, and THC and cannabis in general. Yeah, but you know, the, the pushback might be that they're not as responsible as they should be, the students, True. to handle it. True. And the, the, the brain development isn't really there uh, uh, in your early 20s or in your late teenage years. Um, so that might be a, a, a tricky thing to navigate. It is, and it's, yeah. it's one of those things you got to think about. you got to weigh the risk. Um, and, uh, and, and obviously, I think it should be regulated just like alcohol. Uh, 21, mm. a, 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 a discerning adult. Uh, who is aware of the circumstances that they're getting themselves into? Um, but it, again, we we know how it exists. Yeah, right? just like alcohol exists. So it's funny. Um, you're going to have listeners in college. They're going to be like ready to convert now because <laughs> they're going to remember that Rohan Marley story. <laughs> I'm curious to know what your routine is like. What, when you get yeah. up in the morning, like what's a typical day for you? I mean, it's do you go to crazy. the office? Do you spend it with your girls? Like, so what, it's, what it's a little crazy. So I get up in the morning. Probably seven or so. Uh, my girls will get out of bed at six, seven thirty, or eight. Uh, I'll get them ready for school with my wife. Uh, one of us will drop them off at school, and then because my you know I'm putting quotes day job is my CBS radio show, which is at three, three to six p.m. I have a, a large swath to um, do whatever I need. So sometimes I'll go for a run because I'm, I've turned into a runner. A lot of times I'm taking calls. Um, and continue to explore and develop uh, potential opportunities in this space. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, I had a call yesterday with a with a, a distributor uh, here in New York, and it's it's one of those circumstances where we, as an investment group, um, need to really get to know somebody before we put money behind. Yeah, them. I imagine. So What's like, that process like? What do you ask them? Well, it's, first, it's just meeting. Right, it's coming into contact. However, it happens. Uh, this do you one, judge their character, like yeah, the way it's, they it's present themselves? Lot, so much of so much of it is is a relationship, mm-hmm. right? I think any any 
investment uh, group individual will tell you relationships are key it is yeah. all about the relationship you're not going to invest in somebody you've never met or spent any time with or, they drive the day or, 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 exactly relationships drive the they day. do drive the day they, or, or or know what they're about and so um, so a lot of my day is spent having these type of conversations or going to lunch um, uh, sometimes I'll get into uh, you know this 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 mindset where there's a, there's an altruistic side. There's a group that I've been dancing with for a while called Siri, uh, and they want to be C E R I. They want to be the information bank uh, from all this research that that comes either from universities or or hospitals or whoever puts this research um, and distribute it so that people know. And I think there's a role for me there. And oh. so, so I'll go meet uh, be, just simply because of my access, one, but also uh, ability to d- disseminate yeah. information. Um, and so I'll go have lunch with one of their board members and you know, we'll just talk about the space. Uh-huh. And so so much of, of this for me, um, because we're not, we're not executing deals every day. We're not at that. Well, you bit. can't. Exactly. Yeah. We're not at that point yet. It's, it's learning. And as the the more that I learn, the more that I can um, disseminate. And you know, the more that you know, I disseminate and introduce to different people. I think the faster this thing grows yeah. individually. And I think a lot of people are, are doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, but we're focused on it because we know it's important. Well, due diligence is so key. It's everything. You gotta you gotta know that you're not investing in another Theranos or something. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially in the cannabis space, because then that all is screw right. everything. Well, I mean, because that's 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 the that's the perception, anyways. For the uninitiated, yeah, right. They they see it as well, this is a, some sort of scam. This is you, you know, just want to get high, and that's not the reality of it. But the tide is going to turn. You think? Well, I'm I'm positive it's going to turn. Anecdotally, you've already seen it. You've you've heard people talk about uh, the, the 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 pain um, um, treatment benefits, the anxiety uh, treatment benefits. So Ricky Williams, who was a great running back, at the University of Texas, and obviously you know had a pretty good NFL career as well. I mean, he he legit had social anxiety issues. He would do interviews with his helmet on. Um, because he didn't, he couldn't interact, uh-huh. right? And he ultimately got um, kicked out of the league or suspended from the league because he he was smoking marijuana. Um, then he left the game, went to Australia, he was in yoga, and now he's in the cannabis space uh, because he lived it, right? Yeah. He he was great. He won the Heisman Trophy. He was an unbelievable player, but wasn't comfortable in his own skin. Like the anxiety issue uh, was real. Um, you know, a lot of people say that's just mental. Toughen up. Be, be. It's there are there the, the chemical makeup of human beings is so complex yeah. uh, to just assume that what works for you will work for someone else is is naive. Yeah. Uh, and so exploring that, and this is the, going back to the research, is paramount uh, to growing this space and making it more mainstream to those so those that that think that this is some illicit, you know, you know, uh, you know, backroom or underground trade. Um, Realizes that it's your grandmother could be smoking marijuana, or uh, your teacher, or, or edibles at least, or you, or edibles, yeah. or using CBD creams, or whatever it may be. It, it's more mainstream than people want to kind of give it credit for. And the only way that that becomes, uh, I think, prominent in the country is if we keep talking about it. 
So is this one of the? Uh, I, forgive me for I haven't um, listened to the radio show yet, but is is this uh, one of the many topics that you bring up on the it show? It comes up every now and then relative to sports. How do you uh, set up the programming of your of your show? Do you yeah. bring in uh, former athletes? Or, yeah, sometimes. Uh, like our show is mostly about current athletic store athlete um, or 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 um, sports stories. So right now we'll be talking about the Golden State Warriors okay. winning Game Five. Uh, against the Houston Rockets and KD going out with a calf injury, which a lot of people thought was Achilles. Like it'll be, it's just opinion based on sports. Yeah. Um, every now and then, though, it crosses into, you know, some of the things that are pertinent to me. Whether it's um, you know from the branding side, from Thuzio and Julius, my other companies, which I'm not an executive on, um, or uh, in the cannabis space, because I've gotten so uh, I've done such a deep dive in it over the last uh, year and a half. When guys get suspended, uh, X Y Z players suspended for violation of the league substance abuse policy. You know it's marijuana, yeah, right. So it brings up this conversation. Uh, there's some guys that are really deep into it. Nick Lowry, who was a former kicker uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, he's been in the space for about four or five years, and um, uh, and he's he's a great guest to come on and talk about these things uh, because it's it's relevant, it's pertinent to him, his generation of players, a lot of whom are you know were, were beat to crap because the medicine and the and the treatments weren't nearly the same in the in this in the eighties yeah. uh, as they were in the two thousands uh, when I when I ultimately finished, and so those guys are struggling right physically. And, and, and CBD products or marijuana help them significantly. And so we, we, we set up what's, what's relevant. And so when the story approaches us, then we'll dive into it regardless of what it is, whether it's you know, uh, the, the Eastern or Western Conference semifinals in the NBA, whether it's you know, marijuana suspensions in football or, 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 or whatnot, or the World Cup, which yeah. is around the corner for the women. So between a Grove Group, broadcasting, mm-hmm. Uh, stint on Broadway, yeah, uh, and the, and the two companies uh, in sports marketing. Do you do you miss it at all? I don't think you miss Football? being on the field. No, I don't. It's, it's it seems reason, like you're all in. It's the reason I retired. Look, I was I was fortunate. I hated New York when I was in Virginia. When I was when I was growing, I came here one time. When you were a kid, you when, hated New York. I'm not, not, not sure a kid. I was probably twenty. I okay. came to New York. It was I forget what year it was, but it was an enormous snowstorm. I got stuck here. Uh, I think literally for three days and. Sleeping on my girlfriend at the time's sister's floor. Okay, and I was like, "This place is insane. Nobody drives in the middle, like on the on the lines. They're just they're changing traffic. It's, it was in, yeah, it was there's nuts. no rules driving. No car. rules, and it's and it's people are rude and they just walk and they don't, nobody says hi. I was like, if I never go back to New York, you know, good riddance. <laughs> and then about a year later, I get drafted yeah, to the yeah, New York yeah. Giants, and I I decided to live in the city. I lived in the city for a decade. I, you, what neighborhood did you live? Upper East Side. Okay. I always I was always in the Upper East Side, and um, I grew to love New York because of the opportunity, right? and because I turned into a good football player, I was granted access to a sphere with some extraordinarily influential and great people, Bob Tishes of the world, um, that I probably shouldn't have been walking in, you know, as a, as a 27, eight year old African American kid from Southwest Virginia. Right. And, um, I, I started to see that there's more to being a New Yorker than just playing for the New York giants. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And so business became interesting. I st- and I, when I ultimately decided to stay in media, I decided to step away. I stepped into some really cool opportunities, working for the Today Show and mm-hmm. Football Night in America. Um, I started uh, uh, my first company uh, with Steve Ross of related companies doing affordable housing and trying to figure out the tax credit equity issues in, in different states. And that's uh, not easy. No, it's yeah. hard. And we bought a... Wrap we, your head around those, we helped, those topics. Uh, we helped him acquire a portfolio down from my hometown in Roanoke with this guy, Howard Fralin. And um, it, it, was, it was a great deal. It was 31 properties. Unfortunately, it was at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2008 or so. Yeah, so, so the market corrected itself. Yes. And Steve. Did was, you stick with it or were you like, oh, oh Steve, shit. Steve was I gotta a great, sell it. It was so shit. Steve, yeah. who was a great partner, um, kind of saved us, bought us out of it, and personally guaranteed the deal, um, which obviously turned around for him. Steve is a, is a genius yeah. in real estate, and Hutchin Yards is a testament to that. Um, but it was it was it was a lesson. It was a great lesson. One about the relationship and developing a relationship with a guy like Steve Ross and, and getting gaining his trust. Uh, we put in about thirty or forty playgrounds and some of his, some of his low income housing units. A bunch of them in Newark, which which precipitated the relationship with Cory Booker. By the way, so everything's all tied. Yeah, right. It's all it's these rela- it's all these relationships that come full circle. Um, but it also taught me about timing, right? If 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 I had waited, or I wouldn't have known to wait, but if circumstances had allowed me to get into that deal with Steve Ross in 2010, it would have been a completely different, yeah. it would have been a success story, not yeah. a, man, this is kind of a failure story, right? <laughs> um, like football. Yeah. Like the football. margin of error is very small. It's, it's infinitesimally small, yeah. right? And so the same thing, I think, applies in business, and being able to see those trends and execute when the time is right is something that takes experience. You, you can't learn it in a book. You can't learn it from a professor standing in front of a classroom telling you what to do. Uh, you have to experience it. And you know, as I as I delve into now my my third business um, with Thusio slash Julius being the second. Uh, and Grobe being the third, I feel like the timing is right for this, yeah. and, and and we're being patient uh, with it, which is, is which is exciting. Now, did you have any mentor that instilled that in you when you were coming up? Like, I, I keep hearing stories about Bill Parcells doing that. Yeah, with, you know, a lot of it was my teammates. Yeah, a lot of it was my coaches. Um, because they were like my father figures. I grew up without my father. He was, and we've reconciled after thirty plus years. Have a really good relationship now with my half sister, uh, Krista. And so it's, it was my coaches who filled the void, and they challenged me. Right, George Welsh, my coach at the University of Virginia, who recently passed away, and uh, I have such fond emotions for him. Because he used to scream at me and yell at me and get on me all the time. Like, coach, why, why me? Why what, was, what was he yelling at you about? Just about doing something particularly right. Okay. Right? You're doing it wrong. Like, yeah, but it, it's good enough, right? And what y'all, we, and we ended up getting in this, you know, FU match, and it kicked me off the field. This was my second year. Um, but I really, he, he wanted me to be better. Like, he knew I could be better. And he was challenging me in the way he only way he knew how to challenge me, and and ultimately I realized he was right, and it it created this 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 bond um, that I had with him. And the next year, I ended up being the ACC Offensive Rookie, um, uh, no ACC Offensive Player of the Year. The next year, I was the ACC Player of the Year, and then I got drafted to New York. And a lot of it was because um, 
this man, little, you know, man, <laughs> 65 years old, uh, yelled at me. <laughs> um, and so uh, it can even, I can even point to Coach Fossil, who was my first coach in the NFL, who taught me the value of trust. Because uh, there was a point in my early NFL career where... You didn't trust anybody. You don't trust anybody. You're being replaced every year, right? Literally, they're drafting somebody or bringing someone in to replace you. Um, but he trusted me to do something right, a little thing right. He said, I want you to be the best punt returner and in, in, in third down back in the league, and then we'll go from there. And he trusted me. He didn't cut me because I, I was bad early. Um, and I grew from that platform. Um, Coach Coughlin, when he took over in 2004... Right? It was it was all about the details, like the little things matter, because you are what you repeatedly do. So yeah. success and I guess at the same time failure are habits, right? And so um, I learned to like really dig into the minutia of how I was carrying a football, you know how I would how I would cut off of a of off of a play, how I would set up a cutback run, like all these little things that I had never done before because I didn't think to do them. Yeah. He instilled in, into me. Uh, and and the, and the value of preparation before you do anything um, has translated. It's just, it's it's what's make what's making me a good um, broadcaster. Yeah. Is I prepare. I have a take. I have a I have a thought. I don't go on air just like all right. What are we going to talk about today? Right? <laughs> right? That, that doesn't work. Nobody wants yeah. to hear that. I think the same thing applies in business. But do you think enough enough young athletes? think that way because it seems like your um, athletes are starting to think that way yeah. because they're starting to see their heroes their athlete heroes mentors guys that they they look up to become financially savvy become financially savvy and be, become businessmen while they're playing I mean LeBron is is, is, the, is the is the perfect example Magic Johnson is another and so you hear these stories that hey I can be more than just a great athlete it is, it's phenomenal just to be a great athlete, but I can be more than that. Yeah. Um, and I think the examples have have multiplied. For me, it was just because I'm, I'm a naturally curious person. And so when I would meet someone, I'm like, hey, what do you do? And, you know, when I was 22 years old, living in Manhattan, meeting hundreds of people like that, well, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah, I live in that penthouse. You know, all these buildings, <laughs> these tall buildings, there's a penthouse on the top of every yeah. one, and there's a ton of them. Yeah. Right? What does that guy do? Yeah. Exactly. Right? How do I get there? How do I get there? And yeah. so it's, it's, the only way you get there is by asking. So. Well, that's an excellent place to leave it. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else that you want to add that maybe I didn't ask you, like what the next step is for, for Grove Group? Well, the next step is we're continuing to grow um, and look at opportunities, hopefully in New Jersey soon, um, but even outside of New Jersey, uh, up in Wisconsin and, and, and um uh, in Michigan, uh, we've partnered with a couple of CBD uh, production facilities. We know that that's where we know that demand is is the biggest um, uh, obstacle or hurdle to overcome. Actually, supply is the biggest obstacle to overcome. Uh, so as demand grows, we want to be positioned to be in the right places. And once federal legalization happens, and I started to hit on this, but I'll get back to it because I think it's just, it's the core thesis of what we want to do from Diesel, yeah. our, our own investment is create a trusted brand that can travel, that can travel, that translates not just in New Jersey where we'll start, but in Virginia and in Connecticut and in uh, Alabama uh, and Florida. Uh, once, once products can be moved across state lines, interstate commerce, uh, branding becomes paramount. 
and and so we're focused on that more than anything. So it, is that a, one of the biggest challenges? Is the shipment of these of goods? Not the shipment. Distribution oh. will be easy. The, okay. there, the lines are there, whether it's trucking companies or or whatever. It, the distribution will be there. It's the it's the it's it's the communication of quality, right? It's 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 no different than you know. Uh, I, I want to drink a Coca-Cola or I'm going to have Fanta, right? <laughs> yeah. So you know the difference. Right. Right? It's the difference between uh, I'm a Callum 18 and a Johnny Walker red label. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's all about the branding, um, and, and we know that. And what's best for the person. Exactly. Who, who and, and, and educating. So it's, it's this, this is exactly what you're, um, you need and what you're going to consume, and there's no ambiguity, and there's quality control. So when you get um, iteration one of this or iteration 500 of this, it's the same. Um, yeah. That's not there yet. What surprised you when you first got into this space? Because before um, it was broadcasting, it was marketing. Actually, I was surprised at how vast it is, right? It's, there's tons and tons of people in the cannabis space yeah. that just don't talk about it you know what i mean they 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 don't want to be known right and and i think in the history of business and they're successful Mm -hmm. right these guys are you know doing well they don't want to talk about it they don't want to talk about it uh i'm surprised is that part of your job now is to get the voices heard i it's not to get the voices heard. get the dialogue it's it's, it's just to, to make it mainstream make it okay what do you do for a living? Yeah. I'm I'm a I'm a, a CBD producer. I'm 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 a distributor of marijuana. Make it mainstream. <laughs> Make it mainstream, and oh. it will be soon. Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Good to chat with you.